Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to the Elm Park Rolls preview show in conjunction with the Red and Chronicle. And we've also been joined by Matt Joy from the Red and Chronicle to talk about a little bit of the game during the week and also previewing the match coming up. How are you doing, Matt? I'm very well, all things considered, Paul. How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. It's, it's the kind of way it is at the moment, isn't it? It's kind of yeah. like I think we've all just got to yeah, try our best to keep spirits high in any way we can. Hopefully, Reading will help that on Saturday. Well, we can't be relying on Reading, though. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, very... no, that was a bit... bit that's a high-risk move. That's a, that's a rookie error for me. <laughs> <laughs> no, so let's have a quick look back at the game against Norwich City. I thought it was a creditable performance, considering the situation we're in with the squad. What did you think about it? Yeah, I think, again, if you look back at maybe our expectations and how they've changed over the course of the last few months. If before the season, especially maybe when Paunovic came in, the, the appointment wasn't that popular at the time. Mm. If you'd said that we're going to be facing the team who are right up at the top of the table with seven first team players out in the middle of December in the playoff positions and you, you know, you get, a, you, you lose two one, but as you said, put in a, a very respectable performance you wouldn't be disappointed. So that I, I think in the grand scheme of things, there's definitely no reason to be disappointed. I think first half, I was very, very encouraged. Um, I thought Reading played really, really well. Uh, second half, it, I think Norwich just showed their class. They, they showed what they can, you know, the, the strength and depth that they've got. And perhaps a little bit, I think Fox showed his tactical now. So he, he switched things a little bit at half time. Uh, and yeah, that's just, I think it was a case of at, at that point, the 11 players on the pitch in a yellow shirt were probably better than the 11 players on the pitch in a blue and white one. So you can't really complain too much. Obviously, the penalty was contentious. I thought, it, on first glance, I thought, yeah, that's a spot kick. I, 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 I didn't really have any doubts about it. Obviously, I've seen it back a few times and it looks like one of those where if it's given against Reading, you're frustrated. But conversely, if that was down the other end, you'd probably be appealing for it. And I also think that if Liam Moore hadn't have dived in, uh, Aaron's probably would have scored anyway. It was in, yeah, he was in a very good position in the area, sort of quite close range. You would have felt that he would at least have had a very, very good chance for a shot on goal. So frustrating, um, a bit disappointing. I think that after that second goal went in, you never really thought the game just sort of petered out, and I think that was a little bit of fatigue, a little bit of perhaps a lack of belief amongst the players that. You know, you're going to get it back against such a good op- uh, good opposing side. But all in all, yeah, you can't complain too much. I think if you'd asked us before last week's show, QPR away in Norwich at home, would you take three points with all the injuries? Probably would. 
I think. Yeah, totally. I, I think the same as well. I think that's why the QPR result was so massive, <laughs> that it released a little bit of pressure on these two big games that we have coming up after that one. I think the player that really made the difference for Norwich, it was, I totally agree with you, the squad depth is just amazing mm-hmm. there compared to us. Bringing on Campwell, that was mm-hmm. a real game changer for them. Yeah. And also yeah. kind of like looking at, yeah, sorry, you go on. No, no, I was just going to say, I, can, I completely agree. I thought Campwell looked very, very impressive when he came on. I think the fact that, yeah, Buendia got the first goal. I don't think he did a huge amount afterwards. I, I didn't notice much of him, but... When you have a player like Wendy, who's obviously been looked at by some top top clubs, he doesn't, and he doesn't play a starring role, but other other players do. You think, yeah, they've they've seriously got some stuff about them, um, and yeah, I thought they played as as I said, I thought they played really well. I don't think anyone in the Reading shirt had a particularly poor game. I, perhaps a few of the substitutes I wasn't overly impressed with, but Josh Lauren, I thought special mention to him. I thought he was absolutely fantastic. There was one moment where I think it was sort of a two v one on the break and. He managed to win the ball back and get the ball back forward in a sort of in one movement. I thought that was absolutely brilliant, and what a signing he's proving to be, uh, even in defeat. But yeah, I, I completely agree. The, the fact that Norwich could bring such quality off the bench was testament to the fact that they've got probably a Premier League squad. Yeah, a Premier League squad that finished uh, was it bottom. I'd like to point that out because with my girlfriend being an Irish fan, you know. Well, you've got to you got to take take the small wins you can. I suppose <laughs> yeah. it's been a difficult forty eight hours. I can imagine it came up just before I started um, uh, recording this podcast again. It oh, yeah. But I kind of we made it an interesting tactical change there, didn't we? Yeah. By not picking Bulldog, you spoke to the manager about that as well. Yeah, it, it, Panovic said that he wanted to play a kind of false nine uh, for, 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 yeah, a formation with a false nine, that's hard to say, um, and just sort of crowd the midfield a little bit more. That's where he felt that Norwich were going to be you know, g- good and effective in the middle of the park, keeping the, keeping the possession. Panovic wanted to kind of crowd that out. Made a slightly interesting comment, which... Uh, Maybe raised my eyebrow a little bit. He said that due to the weather conditions, that wasn't necessarily possible. And I thought that's that's a bit of a clutch and a straw, I think. <laughs> but um, yeah, Samedo up top, I, I didn't think he was particularly effective. I think in my player ratings, which you can see on the Reading Corner Craft River again, quick plug. Um, I thought that he, I think I gave him a four. But then again, if you're playing a player who's primary position throughout his career as being a defensive midfielder as your focal point in attack you're not going to expect an 8 out of 10 it would be completely unrealistic against a, a side such as Norwich as well you're not going to get a 10 out of 10 performance or you'd be very very surprised if you did um, I, yeah, I didn't think he had the, the movement that a player like Lucas Shaw would have done but that's because he's not really no. used to playing that role so I don't blame him at all um, I was a little bit frustrated with Bulldog after his substitution after he came onto the pitch. I didn't feel that he, um, it was kind of a bit directionless, some of his movement, I felt. I think it was, a lot of it was kind of on the shoulder of the last man and, and running across the defence. And with the balls coming high and having such physical imposing centre-halves that Norwich did, I just thought he's not winning the headers, but he's not coming to get the ball up to the feet, hold it up and bring the other players into play. So you kind of, this way's not working, but you're not adapting to something that may may you know give you a bit more uh, get a bit more joy. But I saw, yeah, it's been a tough one for Bulldog. I I, I don't want to ever single out a player because by no means 
was he the reason for Reading losing? Because I think, as we've already discussed, it was just the fact that we played a side who had a who played played a little bit better and had a better squad. Um, but yeah, I, his impact was a little bit frustrating. Uh, I thought Sonny Aluko actually was really really good in the first half. That substitution as well, he came off. I that one a little bit. I was questioning that one a little bit, and the decision to bring um, McIntyre on into the midfield as opposed to Melvin Lambert, just to you know put another body up there um, to, to to make quite a defensive substitution when you're chasing the game is a little bit baffling. I think he did something similar. Panovic did something similar against QPR uh, last weekend, where he brought McIntyre on, and you think. Half of you thinks, okay, you understand it to, in that game because it was to ensure Reading didn't lose. And ultimately, a beautiful assist from uh, from McIntyre for at least it's what we associate with him, isn't it? Those I think that's that, that's what I was expecting. Yeah, that's what I was expecting him to bring off the bench. But um, yeah, no, it was a it was a bit of a, the changes on on uh, Wednesday night, especially. I was a little bit a little bit miffed by as I, I put on Twitter during the game. I'd love to have seen Melvin Lambert just being given a chance because. You know why not? I think in that situation the pressure's definitely the pressure was off him. I don't think anyone was expect would have expected him to come on and make himself uh, an instant hero. But you never know if he could have had that one chance. He may well have done, and that would have been such a good start to his uh, to his Reading career. But that being said, the options were quite limited on the bench given how threadbare the squad looks at the moment. And two one against the side who I believe are now top of the table. Or yeah, first or second is not a bad result given everything that's been going on. I guess one of the reasons for not bringing on Melvin Lambert is squad dynamics. If you don't bring on Bulldog at that point, Mm. it creates an issue, doesn't it? Possibly. I mean, I think it would have been a great opportunity to bring him on because I totally agree. There's no pressure on him. No, I think he's around and does nothing. No one's going to say anything, are they? Yeah, and I, I obviously the decision will have been a lot more thought out than this suggestion has been, or this suggestion will be, but. Just maybe in the la- maybe in the last sort of ten minutes or so, would there have been any harm in, in putting two up top and just yeah to use it. an old cliche throwing the yeah. kitchen sink at it? Because at the end of the day, if Reading had put another man up top and then piled bodies forward, and then Norwich maybe of course on the counter and then got a third, I don't think anyone would have had any qualms with that either. So I just mm. think maybe I would have liked to have seen a bit more of a a little bit more of a gung ho approach of just. Let's just go for it. You know, we're, we're only one goal behind. Crowd the box, and who knows what can happen. And if you've got another, even if you've got another guy up top, maybe can win a, a free kick or something. You know, at least they came very close late on uh, with a set piece. It might have it, obviously Poundovich's decisions will have been a lot more thought out than this one was, as I just said. But it may have it, it may have had a a bit more of an in, impact. But you know, that's we'll never know. One of the things with Poundovich is he's keeping us in games. Oh yeah, yeah. There's, it's very rare that, there's no with the doubt. exception of yeah, with the exception of probably the uh, home games against Preston and Stoke, I think. Yeah, no, they were dead. They were just kind of write-offs, and they were bad days at the office. But even, I mean, you look at the Bournemouth game away from home, the late yeah. goal from I believe it was Solanke who got Bournemouth's yeah. fourth. If, yeah, Reading was still chasing the game at that point. Obviously, it was frustrating to be in a situation after being two 0 up that you were chasing the game. But yeah, as you said, Poundovic, under Poundovic, Reading do stay in games and. Are always always look to be you know have a chance of getting something even if the, the scoreline doesn't suggest so with minutes remaining. Yeah, but as I said, maybe I would have liked to have seen a bit more of a an attacking attacking approach with the the limited subs that 
Pavlovich sort of had to pick from. So- We've got a very tough match tomorrow at Brentford. Mm. It's not a team that we've liked recently to play. Uh, they've mm. had a bit of a good run against us, which was uh, never enjoyable. They are sixth on the table. We are fifth. Mm. Um, it's going to be an awkward one because obviously they've got Ivan Tony, a quality striker in this league. Yeah. They're basically their Lucas Jow, but he's fair. Mm. Uh, yeah. What's your thoughts on the match, Matt? Well, I think if you look at Brentford, this, if you, 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 as you said, they are in the playoff spots, but I think, if I'm not mistaken, their away record is much better than their home record. I believe they're kind of in the, uh, if you look at the league table side by side, home and away, I believe Brentford are sort of uh, 12th or 13th in, in terms of home records, whereas Reading are 5th or 6th, I think 6th, if I'm not mistaken, for away games. So they've not necessarily acclimatised to the new stadium as quickly as they may have done. I think they've picked up a lot of draws. I think they've got five draws out of nine games. Um, so perhaps that, that may play in Reading's favour. That being said, I think they've only lost once at their new home. So, yeah, it's going to be a very tough one. Ivan Tony, as you mentioned, I, I watched him last year when I was uh, covering a Wickham game when they played Peterborough. And even that was in, that was in League One, but you could tell he was just a class apart. He, was a, he had a brilliant game that day and I was very, very impressed with him. Um, and I think I said to, to one of the guys down there at the time, I would love to Reading to have picked him up or to pick him up at that time because he is a very, as you said, similar to Zhao. He's a you know a big lad and good with the ball at his feet, good in the air. He's got that kind of all round, that all round um, skill set that really does shine, especially at this level. He's not a you know one trick pony. He can score goals from all over the pitch, and they've got some real talent, obviously, but in behind that as well, players like Macondes. Um, real creative players that could yeah they, they they could cause Reading some real problems I think the fact that despite all of the injuries the fact that that as we've mentioned before that sort of cube of Moore, Morrison, Lauren and Renamota the fact that they're all still fit gives me a bit more if I think if any of those would have been out mm. I would have been a lot less confident I think Especially in this game. I mean, other games, maybe against QPR, you think if only we'd have had Mate and Zhao, you would have expected probably a more comfortable win. Whereas this game, you think, as much as I'd love to say, oh, yeah, with those two, we'd go and win 3 0 away, I think a draw would be a good result tomorrow. And I think that having those four fit gives us the, if you had to pick any of the seven. Or so players that are currently injured, you wouldn't want those four uh, to be one of those seven because I think they are. If those four all tick tomorrow, it gives us a good chance. And yeah, it's going to be a. a I expect a bit of a backs against the walls and not having as much of the ball as we do in other games, and perhaps a little bit frustrating at time. I don't think that whoever does get the nod up front will have a huge amount of um, huge amount of stuff to do aside from sort of chase down the back four, I think it may be one of those sort of games, but... Um, Fun afternoon for Samedo then. Because yeah, I reckon yeah. he'll probably be up front again. And as I said on the main podcast, that um, I think Panovic has got some kind of game going on. What's the worst... What Can we play more and more out of position? It seems to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's... He I could think... be in goal very soon. You just don't know. It's kind yeah. of... Yeah, well, it was it was somewhat interesting when you looked at that that starting eleven on uh, Wednesday night. And you thought, right, we've got four four centre halves <laughs> across the defence. Yeah, a defensive a defensive midfielder by trade up top. 
you thought, oh my word, this could be a, a tough evening. But as we said, credit to Reading, they did well. But yeah, it's, uh, I mean, in fairness to Samedo, I'm sure he wasn't expecting when he came in to, to play in that role. No, um, but he's, so. you know, he showed showed the willingness, and obviously not necessarily got much choice because <laughs> Boundovich will have just told him that's where you're playing. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think it'd be interesting to see, especially if if Joao Mate, as expected, won't be returning until the new year. He may well have a few more games in that role, um, depending on whether Bulldog gets the nod. Obviously, he did against QPR, so perhaps they might revert to that. I think if if the logic behind of crowding that midfield, that's why you know he played that way on um, Saturday. I think it, you're right. It may well be Semedo because you would have thought that you'd want to do something similar against Brentford. So it'll be interesting to see if if he does get maybe four or five games out of his belt under his belt, so even uh, in that role, how he uh, sort of adapts to it. Hat trick yeah. incoming there, Matt. You know it. So, what is your score prediction then for tomorrow? Uh, I'd love to say a draw, but I think, especially with Ivan Tony, I think it might just be a one game too far for Reading. I think mm. Brentford will win, and I, I think Reading might struggle to score. So, I'm going to go with I'll go with two nil to to the bees. Okay, I'm going to. This is based on mainly blind faith. I'm going to go one all based on the fact that they aren't that great at home so far. I know I may regret that when they come away with a 5-0 win tomorrow. Yeah, well, I think, again, I think, just, just circling back, I think Reading have scored more goals away from home than Brentford have scored at home this mm. season. So, you're right. Um, yeah, they're, but they're, then they're, in, you know, straight away in your back of your head, you'll just go, Jao, Mate, Jao, Mate, don't yeah, you? Precisely, yeah. precisely. So, yeah, mm. I, I, it, put it this way, if, if your prediction comes in, I'll be a very, very happy man. Yeah. I will be as well, and I will be a bit surprised as well. So I'm not, <laughs> I'm not mightily convinced on it, but we'll see. Thanks a lot for joining us. My pleasure. Now. now it's time for our talk with the opposition. And today I've been joined by Billy Grant from the Brentford FC fan site, The Besotted. How are you doing, Billy? I'm very good, Paul. How are you doing? Not too bad. A little bit anxious about the game on Saturday because, as I heard on your podcast that you released today, that you know that we've got a lot of injuries. It could be a good time for us to play you. And you're hitting a little bit of form, aren't you? Yeah. I mean, I have to say, again, you know, I mean, first of all, I say thanks very much for having me on. Great to get on a podcast as well. You know, great to get on another Reading podcast as well. I talked to your colleagues, the Tyler Stend, a lot. And like I said to you guys, you're only just down the road. So it's a real shame that you can't come up to our new stadium today to check it out or, or this weekend to check it out. But, you know, fingers crossed next season, you'll be, you'll be well, as long as we're as long as we're in the same league, of course. <laughs> wow, yeah, yeah, that out. is true, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. But um, so far our season, you know, it's been uh, it's been it's been okay. Um, it's been a bit of a weird season for Brentford because, like I said, we've been you know we're, we're hurt off the back of sort of losing in the playoff final to to. to I can't really say the word actually, but you know who's the team exactly I'm talking about, and it was very very difficult. You know, us losing to our inverted commas, as they call it, almost like arch rivals there. Um, in a game which, you know, not be funny, every time we played Fulham before that, we beat them every time. So it's typical. It's in the playoff finals, the one that they beat us. So, you know, as a result of that, we lost Ollie Watkins. We lost Saeed Benrahma, you know, and th those are two massive players for us last season. They were great. You know, the, the creative flair that Benrahma had, you know, really got us out, out of a few little pickles, um, you know, last season. And Ollie Watkins, you know, he just 
you know, he was a winger to start off with. And then we, we were struggling for a striker and we asked him if he didn't mind having a, a go for a few weeks as trying to put the ball in the back of the net. And uh, 28 goals later, he's uh, scored and uh, <laughs> loads of goals and left us for Aston Villa. Um, but, um, you know, so it's one of those things. So that, that was really weird. So coming into this season, we knew that it was not going to be easy. The usual bringing in new players trying to let them understand the Brentford way, how we play, trying to get them up to speed. You know, we don't buy in sort of kind of 100% oven ready players, you know, players that some teams do where they'll go and spend six, eight, 10 million pounds on players, 12 million either, who have been played in that division and done it. We always pick them up from different, you know, different divisions, either from one or two leagues below us, or we'll pick them up from Europe. They come over from Europe, they don't quite get the league. They don't quite get how physical it is and all this kind of stuff. So every single season, without fail, we start slowly. And this season was the same as we thought, you know, starting slowly. Games that we thought we should have won, we didn't win. We were drawing, you know, games that we, you know, 2-0 up against Preston and we lose 4-2. It's like really confusing. So to be honest with you, it was a little bit frustrating until we got to the, you know, probably just about the international window, and then the stats came out that actually it was our best ever start to the championship. Um, like ever. I mean, we were like really confused because I think we were not as good as we were before. And we've got more points than we've had before. We've scored more goals than we've had before. We've even at this stage, like I said, we've got more, you know, more goal scorers this season. Last season, we had only five goal scorers this season. We've got eight. So everything is actually better. So I think in a way, and if you listen to all the pundits, they're like going, oh, I'm not sure about Brentford this season. I think that there's a kind of, Rose-tinted glass isn't, isn't the right word, but there's a view of Brentford when everyone saw us when we were just properly on fire at the back end of last season. We came out of lockdown and we were just a bang, goal, win, win, win. We are just winning games for fun and we were just really exciting. And because we're not that Brentford now, people think, oh no, they're not as good. But we're a different side. What we are is we're a little bit more... Functional is probably not the probably it's probably not a fair word to say, um, but we're what we're doing is that we're starting to be able to grind results out when we don't look like we're particularly playing well, but we're still doing the right things. We're still creating the chances, but we don't have like if we're struggling. Say for example, we play against last season against the Forest, so then Ben Rama might come up and or Derby County, then he comes up, nutmegs two people, rainbow flicks them, and then curls the ball into the top corner. We don't quite have that at the moment now not saying it's not going to come so that's why probably Brentford is different but on the whole what we are is we are much defensively tighter and we're not losing those one nil games that we were losing last season where we, we lost a quarter of our games one nil you know where people hit us on the break bam and then they'll close up shop and we just couldn't break them down and I think Thomas Frank just thought tell you what forget this Let's just be, keep it tight. And if we can nick a win, we can do. But if we can get a draw, that's fine. And we've got, like I said to you, we've drawn more, drawn more games than we have done, you know, at this stage in the whole time in, in, in being in this division. And as a result, we're actually kind of nicely poised going into Christmas. Yeah, not too bad. Back up the point, you've got eight draws this season already, haven't you? So it kind of like shows that you become more kind of, I mean, you didn't lack professionalism at all last season, but maybe that let's just see the game out, slightly pick up a point here. Let's not go too gung-ho here. Maybe a little bit of that is because Ben Ram has left. That little tiny bit of quality, isn't it? It's what you need, isn't it, in certain moments. But yeah. I think you're in a great position. You're six. That's still not bad at all, is it? This, this is a lot. Oh, look, you know, Norwich, Norwich City, don't forget, you know, a couple of seasons ago, they were, what's it, what, bottom or second bottom, around about this time, and bang, they went up there and they ended up 
what's it getting promoted? I think they won the league in the end, like you know. So this means nothing. It's 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 a marathon, not a sprint. All the cliches that you can come out with, as long as you're there and then you're there in the game. If you win three games in a row, you're you're properly up there in the, in the, in this division. I mean, I was talking to a Watford friend of mine um, who, you know, obviously she she supported them for years, and they went up to the Premier League, and she was uh, very used to them being in the Premier League. They'd come back down, and I said to her, "Are you getting ready for our game?" At the, she's going, "Oh, she lives in India at the moment now." She goes, "Oh, I'm not sure if I I can do it at the moment now." I don't quite get this league. It's it's a really weird league. And I said, why? And she says, well, I just, it's just all over the place, isn't it? And I said, what, you're not used to sort of teams like Man City and, uh, you know, and, 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 and Liverpool, you know, kind of mashing, just dominating and just yeah. killing everybody every week. You've actually got a chance that everyone's got a chance to win. She goes, yeah, I guess it's that. It's just, I just don't get it. And I think that's, um, that's a good thing because there's always hope. There's always hope for teams like, you know, us, you know, we're, we're quite similar in a way, both Brentford and Reading in the fact that, you know, we're kind of, you know, we're quite unfashionable. So people don't expect us to be where we are. I mean, Reading were at the top of the, the top of the league this season. There's, there's all sorts of comments flying around. People weren't happy about that at all. Like, no. you know, you know and I thought it was quite funny because uh, I do like sort of upsetting the cognition, you know, the, the, the characters out there who, uh, who believe that they, you know, that, that, Certain spots are only, 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 only certain teams are entitled to certain spots. I, I quite like sort of people upsetting that. But, you know, it just gives us hope because, you know, we're going into January. As far as Brentford is concerned, we do know that we need, you know, we know that not quite the same, but we're all right. But we do know that we need a couple of players out there. Um, we're not short of a bit of money. Um, and the fact not that we're kind of like Derby County who go and sell their stadiums to get money. We're not sure of the fact that we've actually sold quite a few players, but we've actually not spent that money. So, you know, Ollie Watkins, you know, 28 million, you know, we've got Saeed Bin Rama, be 25 million and when that comes in we've got um malpay from last season we didn't actually spend the malpay money either as well and that was 18 million so we've actually not spent a lot of the money that we've got in and we tried to pull in some players um last win this last summer and also the summer before it hasn't quite happened so i'm pretty certain that this um this january we're going in we're in sixth place. We're just below the parapet. We know that we need a left winger at, um, who's going to be creative. Um, and we need a couple of extra players as well. And they're possibly, you know, somebody in defence um, and, and probably maybe somebody else in midfield. So I think that, you know, I think that we're going to go out there and we're actually going to spend a bit of money to sink those areas. And it's going to make all the difference to, to a team like us. And, and I'm actually looking forward to, to next year because obviously we're going to be back in the stadiums he says fingers crossed you know more fans back in the stadium so we can get back in there and actually add our support to our team um when they're out there on the pitch yeah the thought of actually being in the stadiums and it being full it seems like a million miles away at the moment doesn't it it's kind of it would make such a difference to I mean us having such a crazy start to the season i mean no reading fan expected that if they say that i've said this to lots of opposition fans it's just an insane start we are dropping off slightly because we've had so many injuries but I still think we're putting in solid performances. Even last night when we lost to Norwich, we kind of weren't out of the game. We're always in games now. We aren't getting rolled over. And I think probably on Saturday, it's going to be a similar-ish game. You are very reliant on Tony for goals. I mean, he's been a fantastic signing. There's no doubt on that. But is that slightly concerning for you, how reliant you are on him? 
It's interesting because we, we, we talked about this, in a, like I said to you, Pride of West London. if you want to check out our podcast, we've got a pre-match podcast, which we talked about a lot about Reading. We did a lot of stats on there as well, but we talked a lot. We also had Becca from the Tyler Center. I know they're a, a sister podcast to you as well, but she was on there talking about Reading as well. So if you want to check that out, that's definitely the case. So we talked about this a lot, saying whether or not Ivan Tony and reliance on him is, is, a, is an issue. Now, what I'll say is that, first of all, you know, we can't help it. I mean, the guy scores goals, like, you know, and if he's very good at scoring goals, you know, that's not really our issue. I mean, actually, there's a little league table that actually that, that was talking about Ivan Tony's goals, and it is actually quite ridiculous. Um, I'm, I'm sorry to drag it up, but Ivan Tony has scored more goals him personally then there's about sort of kind of about 15 or so teams including arsenal including newcastle <laughs> including fulham which we're really happy with like yeah. you know <laughs> and there's a load of other teams as well so he's actually scored more goals than them as a whole team which i think is really ridiculous the flip side of that i'll say because i think it's very easy for you to sort of kind of jump on this like you're a one-man team is also he's a very good goal scorer. So he's, he has scored a lot of goals. Um, in the game that we played against Dortmund Forest on Saturday, um, what was really nice is that we had three goal scorers as well. We had, you know, Dalsgaard, we had Justa Silva, you know, and we had, um, I think it was Ivan Tony. I think, <laughs> I can't even remember. The, the game sort of kind of merged into one now, like, you know, who, who'd scored goals. So we're starting to spread the goals around a little bit, I'd say, from that. Um, last season... We did have the BMW and they were brilliant. They'd score 50 plus goals between them. Um, and everyone's just going, oh, you know, you're fantastic. It's not all about Ollie Watkins. If you've got, you know, you know, Saeed Ben Rama scoring, you know, we're sitting um, um, and Bumo scoring at 14 goals, Saeed Ben Rama scoring 12 or 13 goals, whatever he's done, which is great because, you know, and Josh De Silva scoring, you know, 12 or 13 or 14 goals, whatever he did. So that, any team is thinking, oh, I've got no idea who to pick up on here. What you do have to remember though, is that last season, Ollie Watkins, you know, just probably just slightly before this period now, he'd scored about seven and Ben Rama had scored one or two and Mbuma had scored only one or two. So again, it's that slow start situation. So you kind of have to be a little bit careful about sort of making these presumptions for Brentford before Christmas, because it normally is after Christmas where we kind of like, we put a bit of fire, a bit of put the old coal into the into into the oven you know? you're fueled by christmas dinner aren't you that's right you know the steam starts coming and the train starts going down the old the old tracks like you know um he says but that's not necessarily 100 percent true but you know like i said you have to be a little bit careful you know like i said to you what part of my enthusiasm and my joy here is coming from the smile is it's coming from the fact that like i said to you i was at the, at the game two weeks ago and that is kind of really um it's just made me quite happy and excited because I have to admit this season has been really quite tough it's been difficult doing the, even the podcast I mean every week we do put we put out two maybe three podcasts a week and beforehand you know we get out of the pub and we all meet up we have a, a laugh and we stay till 11 11 30 at night and then you're up at 2 30 in the morning trying to put it together and it's all coming out a bit wrong for various reasons <laughs> as you can imagine yeah. you've been in the pub for six hours um but it's been great fun this season we kind of missed all of that we've missed going to the game talking to your mates beforehand so it's been really really tough but go into the stadiums you sort of think there's a bit of light at the end of the tunnel and I think for all fans as well you know you guys are in the stadium um or for the forest game you're definitely in the stadium as well so you know this light at the end of the tunnel I think for all fans that's that's a that's a really that's a really good thing so but also I think that when you get a bit of a light you kind of get a slightly rose-tinted glasses <laughs> and you, yeah. you think that everything's going to be absolutely brilliant and um um, you know, listen, we're doing all right this season, but there's there's a number of good teams in this league. Like, listen, you guys, 
you're up there. You have been up there since the beginning of the season. You've been absolutely hammered by lots of people. You still continue to do it. Paunovic has defied the odds by coming from the MLS at Chicago, uh, where he didn't do particularly well, but he's learned from his mistakes and he's come to Reading and he's put them into place, and that's good for you. Jow's banging goals in left, right and centre. You've got, you know, Ijaria. You've got some great players down there. So, listen, you know... You, we, you're going to have to watch out for you. We're going to have to watch out for Swansea. We're going to have to watch out for Bournemouth. We're going to have to watch out for Watford, Norwich. There's some great teams up there. So there's nothing that is done and dusted. And that's what I love about this league. No, totally. And one person who slammed us as well, a little bit, was Sam the Liberal on your own podcast. Oh, the Liberal so- Nick. Liberal Nick. <laughs> Liberal Nick. <laughs> it's just saying that we haven't beaten anyone. And I've got to say that's a little bit harsh. We beat Watford at home. And we beat Bristol City when they were third. I mean, we have beaten teams. We have got some wins against some good teams. So I think, you know, and most annoyingly, though, he was bang on with his prediction against us last night against Norwich. So that's a bit sickening, Billy, I've got to say. But how do you see the game going on Saturday then? Well, I've, to, I've got to make apologies for Liberal Nick, actually. You know, we, we're apologising for him every week. He lives in the, in the West Country, so uh, I think it's happened sort of slightly different um, in, in his zone. He hasn't got anyone that lives within... <laughs> yeah, he hasn't got anyone that lives within about sort of 45 miles of him, like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. As he looks out his window and he sort of, sort of just sees green and grass and that kind of stuff. But yeah, Liberal Nick, he's a, he's a member of our podcast, the Besotted podcast as well, and we do have some, we have some jokes with the Liberal Nick because he, he... Listen, everyone's got their title to their own opinion and the liberal nick has definitely got his opinion um i, I did question him when uh, you have to you have to back me up as well i did question him when he uh, when he when he slightly slighted wedding on on our podcast and he and he kind of put you down and i just said you know actually i, I think they're, they're quite they're quite a decent side you know i think you mustn't <laughs> i don't think you want to go down that way but he was he was on a roll so we just left him to it and um listen i, I think tomorrow on saturday i think that it's going to be a tight match I think that injuries are going to play a part for you. We've got injuries as well, but we haven't told the world about them. You know, I think Tom Pontus Janssen disappearing from, from the earth on, on, on when Tuesday night did throw a couple of question marks for people. They're thinking, what's going on here? You know, is it Tuesday or Wednesday when we played Watford? Because Pontus is quite important in our defence. But um, Mads Beck Sorensen or uh, even Pinnock depends on, you know, if you're the referee, whether or not you can tell the difference between a sort of uh, um, a, a, a Scandinavian-based uh, blonde-haired, blue-eyed uh, defender and, uh, and a West Indian-based uh, uh, black sort of a bald-headed defender tough one, sent, it? <laughs> yeah, it was a tough one to send off like <laughs> the standard of refereeing in this division is is, is pretty awful isn't it yeah. so uh yeah so you know they did a pretty good job in defense but ethan pinnett is going to be out on saturday because he's got the red card which is a real shame and he's a key player for us so we may have good in who is his name is good anyway. Um, and, <laughs> you know, I wasn't necessarily talking about his playing. Listen, he's got a lot to learn good. And hopefully if he does play, he's going to come good on Saturday. If not, Pontus Jensen might pop up. Fingers crossed. And Pontus Jensen is a great player, but he's been in and out of our side. And no one really knows what's going on with him, whether or not he's injured, whether or not he's not able to play a load of games in a row. So we shall see. So coming back to score prediction, I mean, Ivan Tony seems to score every single game. So you've got to put us down for at least one goal on this one. I mean, I can't remember what I said on our own podcast, but I'll, so I'll make it up again. But I reckon it's, I said it's going to be 1-0, actually. I think it's going to be a tight game. It's going to be Ivan Tony again. He's going to go in for his 46 goals in 46 games target that we've put him down for and besotted um and fingers crossed he could do that but it's 
you just never know. No, I'm going to go for a one-all. I feel that's slightly optimistic from my point of view, but I'm biased, obviously. I think that we do miss those key players, and we're kind of missing Lucas Jow. If you were to lose Tony, that would be a big hit for you as well. He's so important to our, the way that we play, and he's bringing so many goals. So if we get a one-all draw, I'll be very happy. So thanks a lot for joining us, Billy. I really appreciate it. That's if a- you've enjoyed the podcast, um, get listen to us. And we'll be back with the podcast again on Saturday um, full time. Cheers. Okay. Cheers.